Welcome to the Wise Men Say Podcast. And it's a special series of episodes looking back at Sunderland Till I Die, the hit Netflix series. We're going to have a bit of a deep dive into uh, all eight episodes, starting with the first two of this particular show. I'm Richard Easterbrook, and today we are joined by Chris Weatherspoon. Hello. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm canny good. And we're also joined by head honcho of uh, Wise Men Say, Gareth Barger. Hello. That's it. That's, That's all you're getting. Yeah. Great. Start as we mean to go on then. So let's get yeah. stuck in. I'm like let's one see. of the scouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna cover we're gonna cover that. Uh, the, the, that. That's another episode away, that Gareth. What the yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're gonna so, focus on parts one and two of the series. Um the first episode is very much a scene setter. So we get um introduced to the context of the whole show, the club, you know, for people who've never heard of Sunderland Football Club. Uh, the characters, a little bit of historical info about what we've achieved over the years, which is all nice. Um, just in, introducing Sunderland to the world, so it's a it's, it's a nice little starter. Obviously, we know what they're all about, but for the for the audience, especially in America, it's a little bit of a, a teaser into what what could be. And it also opens in a very religious way. Um, and I think the producers are just trying to link the whole football is religion type of thing, aren't they? I think they did a really good. Like I was what first time I watched it back since I watched it when it first came out, and um, the first episode was great. Like it's really well put together, and it, like it, you can see why it was a popular show. Like it really did draw, draw people in. Um, but yeah, it was uh, the first thing I just noticed. Like there's loads of things that you think that pop into your head, and you're like. Just the kit, how bad the kit was, like how bad the kit was that season. It's absolutely <laughs> horrendous. It, it's it's just diabolical. It looks bad on anybody. When we launched it, I was I was a big fan of it. I thought it was really nice, and I, cause I did it up did it up the road from from where I live now, up in a, in, in Dordan. And it was like, oh, it's a great idea. It's a great shirt. Oh, I'm a big fan of it. We're doing something different. Then you look back and it, it's like it looks like like a bag from a butcher's, doesn't it? Do you think it's made worse by what transpired in that shirt? Do you think like we'd all be we'd all be looking back with like rose tinted glasses if we'd been promoted with like a hundred points, or would it still be a terrible shirt? I think you'd be checking your glasses if you thought that was um, <laughs> you know, nice at any point at any time. But you know, it's, it's my personal view. It's been sullied, hasn't it? I mean, it's a bad shirt made worse by the, the people who, who wore it, inhabited it. <laughs> wow, they, do, do these all count as spoilers, seeing stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I mean, I, I know we'll probably, we'll definitely touch on this, but when I'm watching it, and they're obviously raising the suspense, and they do little things like um, when uh, when Grabbin's about to take a penalty or when Vaughan's about to take a penalty, they'll they'll stick the, the titles in the middle of it so you don't, you don't know who's going to, if they're going to score or not. And it's it's like you're kind of taken along for the ride because you think maybe we can get out of this. You know, maybe <laughs> <we can." laughs> yeah. Obviously, a uh, little, little bit of a spoiler there, but uh, we didn't get out of it. <laughs> so yeah, the um, so the little the little scene set of thing where they're they're going round, um, it's giving you the first first glimpse of the the main characters, which we will meet at, at various points throughout. Um, a little sneaky. Uh, Show of Chris early on as well. Um, yeah, that's that's. A I mean, sweeping shot around the pub, and there's him in the background chatting yeah, away about con- profit and loss. Continuity spoiler, because that was that was definitely filmed at the end of the season, because I'd never go in the Colliery Tavern, and the one time I went in that season, I'd rock up on Netflix. So, thanks, thanks for that, <laughs> Football Seventy Three. Um, but yeah, that, that's the one uh, Stephen gets annoyed at me for because everybody else in the pub's singing "Sun Until I Die," and I'm just. Gobbing on probably about an owner or something like that. <laughs> In six months, this will be great. We'll do it around. <laughs> this is what we need, really, isn't it? We need to get relegated to League One, and yeah. we'll bounce back all the better. So the first, the first few minutes, you get to see the titles, the famed titles uh, that quite rightly got quite a lot of praise uh, from fans. Um, because it basically hits every sweet spot. It's like kind of a, a greatest hit for your, for your die, isn't it? You, you know, you get Shackleton, you get Beer, Vox, old times when we were good, trains when they were running, 
um, mines <laughs> when they were when they were there, ships which when we built them, and then then lighthouses which we still have, but pretty pointless. But people socialising when they were allowed to. Exactly. Like now, harks <laughs> back to a simpler time. People could sit in the same room as each other and not have to socially distance themselves. Well, this is this is why we're doing this, isn't it? So you know, we've got to fill a gap somehow. It's going to be a long. It's going to be a long six months. <laughs> so, strap yourself in. We will be doing reaction pods about old reaction pods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a wistful anyway. look back. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, the first uh, first few minutes, you get a look at the key players. Um, obviously, not every player. Uh, participated in, in the filming but there's a few that you, you kind of get as a bit of a constant commentary so the likes of um, Jason Steele, George Honeyman um, John O'Shea um, and of course Martin Bain likes to get his face on camera nice and early and Simon Grayson well, it's, um, it's great because you like when it opens up you like so you have like a few stages where you're like I can't believe they, they played for us like they're yeah. so forgettable like people who are just like completely pointless and then like the the fact that um like they've chosen like let's focus on um jason Steele and robin reuter it was like the two worst got like the two worst seasons for goalkeepers well we had three terrible goal goalkeepers worth um that season but um it was just funny because like jason seal says like um it's a great move for me and a platform to show what i'm about <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first player we see um, after the opening credits is Tyus Browning, who I completely <laughs> forgot played for us. And what's even better is um, he's given Brendan Galloway, who I also forgot played for yeah. us, um, he's given him two left feet messing around with his boots. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm guessing Galloway never realised that across the course of the season. Well, across the three games that he played. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, because... O'Shea starts off, doesn't he? He's like you like thinking he's going to be like the main man throughout all this because he. I think he's the first guy they actually interview, and then you kind of don't really That's you don't it, really yeah. see much much of him again. You think because he was he was very much statesman of, of of the club. He was a very good spokesman for for the for the playing staff, and then just completely disappears. Um, the one yeah. thing that strikes me is is that you hear Jason Steele's voice before you see his face, and you think, "Who's, yeah. that, who's that old man?" <laughs> and it cuts to him, and it's like twenty-five-year-old bloke with blonde hair. It's like jeepers creepers. His voice, his voice is completely gone in it. I like how because after Steele, you get a uh, you get Catamol on, and he's talking about uh, like we've got a good set of lads, like really we should be going for automatic there's no reason why we're gonna, we can't win the league and right at that moment they should have just had like the credit the the opening credits from when it's sunny uh, from it's always sunny in philadelphia just because it's like watching it back you kind of like it's as if they've put this in to take the mick out of us the optimism yeah. is incredible isn't it like it really yeah. is like everyone's yeah. just like but that's i guess that encapsulates what it's like at the start of any season you like you truly believe that like even if like you're in the top flight and you know that you're going to be in a relegation battle, as it edges like towards that first game of the season. Well, you know, well if we get off to a good start and then the league's not that good, and then if we put a run of results together, you know, we might get up to mid table, and then you know, and we have a good transfer when you never know. And then all of a sudden, like before that first ball's being kicked, you've taught yourself into the fact that you're going to qualify for Europe, and then that's that's I guess as a player you're going to ultimately do the same thing, but. You've got control. You've got control of the situation, and it is like the optimism around the whole place. I think. I mean, obviously, we'll come on to episode two, but the optimism does just does not tally with the strategy at all, does it? It's it just um, it is unbelievable watching back how it is completely blind optimism that that they've that they're basing it on. Which you know, if you're a, if you're a professional sportsman, I guess yeah. You know, you 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 focused on winning all the time, no matter how bad it gets. Um, yeah, you, you you're right. To be fair, because I I mean I think like to be fair at, at the time, because I I was trying when I was watching it back, I was trying to relate it to how I felt at the time. And I remember when we got Grayson, and I don't think anybody was like over the moon, but everyone was like, eh, solid enough. 
manager kind of thing in this division. Like he's worked with like limited resources before, and like you'll think he'll do a job. And to be fair, did any did anyone notice like the setting that Simon Grayson is in? Yes, when yeah. he's getting... it's the wrong Where, side. Is that his house? It's a ramp side. I was going to say because it's very opulent. Like it's yeah. very like it's well, got like the poshest like reading desk in the world behind him with like loads of like books from the 1850s or something and I, I was very jealous to be honest like, I, I would quite like to have a room like that well but now you said it's well, a ramsider just go to the ramsider <laughs> maybe, maybe don't eat don't maybe don't eat there for a couple of months but the focus of the of the episode uh, running can I just, sorry can the, I just point something uh, out yep. sorry Richard um, that um, the, we should have known there was a problem or it was going to be a problem from the start when Simon Grace is wearing two jackets indoors. Um, which, oh, yeah. What's that yeah, about? That's weird. I've written Why? down that he looks like a trendy dad. <laughs> he does. Uh, it's very he looks much. like he goes to Life O'Reilly on a Saturday night, doesn't he? Yeah. That's, that's a good point, because yeah. that, that room looks really warm as well. It looks like there's like a nice little fire crackling away in the background. So I'm not really sure why, why he's felt the need to dress like that, to be honest. Yeah, once, once you commit to that, you can't really turn back, can you? <laughs> But yeah, the the, the obvious focuses on on the Celtic game, the Celtic preseason game, and there's still optimism around even the fact that it's it's Celtic. I mean, who'd have even looking looking back on it, I can't remember being optimistic about that game at all. We we were lambs to the slaughter from from Celtic, who were rampant at the time, playing lovely football under under Brendan Rodgers, and I can't imagine that there would have been anyone expecting a win. Yet you get people in there. Like kind of doing vox pops, going, oh yeah, we'll win five nothing or something yeah. like that. That's yeah, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Should tell you, did anyone click how like the you know the little overhead aerial before the game yes. shows everyone walking away from the ground? Yeah. Well, it might it might have been. <laughs> to be honest, I was about in. to say that, yeah. that was probably four minutes. In. <laughs> <laughs> We've had enough, seen enough. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Grayson says the lads have a spring in their step. <laughs> but like, yeah, as soon as the ball kicked off, you hear uh, with the the first goal. It was a Coney mistake, a Coney back pass to Steele, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't. No, well, it wasn't a great pass out from Steele, was it? Which yeah, t- t- I think I think Steele was responsible for four of the five goals we conceded, and the one he wasn't was a penalty. So yeah, the the notes I've got on this are four minutes in, and it's already gone to shit. And then that's um, what the commentary was, wasn't it? And then and then Gary Bennett whinging because yeah. that is literally all the coverage of that game is. It, yeah. It's Barnsley telling people what's happened, and it's Gary Bennett just sighing like it's yeah. the end of the world. When, when the first goal goes in, there's an exasperated sigh, and Ben going, "Oh no!" <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, he's right, isn't he? I mean, he um, he is correct. He is correct. I tell you what, did did anyone else? Um, Kind of forget about the pink seats, because like the, yeah. they interviewed Grayson on the pitch before the game, and you kind of look and you kind you do forget how terrible it looked, because you've got that yeah. they do the they do the big team photo, don't they? And they've picked the one part of the ground where they've actually bothered to replace the seats. Well, and do if you they remember the, out a bit further? Do you remember the picture that came out because it was that year? Was, oh, they coloured them in, the, didn't they? It was the twentieth season of the Stadium of Light, so they um. They did like this big picture of them all standing in the shape of the word of the number twenty, and they they photoshopped in red seats where they couldn't, <laughs> couldn't quite get them, and you could totally tell it looked absolutely terrible. See uh, why? That's... Why did they do that? They could have just got us to fit them for free. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Fit hundred seats mean, for now. I mean, it's like it's completely ludicrous the fact that we had that game in it. It's just stupid, like. I mean, it's yeah. easy in hindsight to say, but all the way through, and, and like I know it's only the first two episodes, but you're just like, why did we do that? I mean, everything, it's just like, why Why did we do all of the things that we did? And it's like, it's completely like how we didn't think we might get relegated from the outset, looking back at what how we approached the situation. Yeah. It is blind, it's complete blind faith, isn't it? I do think one of the unfair aspects is like the kind of they really ham up the kind of disgruntled fan base yeah. narrative. Like literally, we're one 0 down in four four minutes in a preseason friendly, and 
they kind of make it sound like 40,000 people are booing and it's yeah. it's a bit and I think after I'm sure after the game there's like there's a random like female supporter who's like oh like it, it's a love affair like you know you're going to get hurt but you keep coming it's, back but I'm pretty sure she's still outside Brentford yeah, that's she what said she it's said. an abusive but, relationship. Yeah. But is it? There's no way she stood outside the serial light when she said that. I'm sure it's like Brentford away or no, something like be, that. No, it'll be no, it'll be um, it'll be a, a different game. But like ultimately, the the stuff they use in there is to to you're trying to create a narrative to you know it's not oh, for, yeah. it's not for the show's not for us, is it? It's for yeah, people who don't know who we are, and that's and that's what like I thought. What is weird is the whole like the hype it up to be like this like. It, it was bad to be fair, like on the streets and that before the game and after the game, but it's weird how it's like because it was almost like well, well, let's make it look like because Americans will be like we've watched like the football factory in Green Street, so let's make it look that's exactly how it is like, <laughs> in a match yeah. and it like it was like it wasn't it wasn't a very nice atmosphere on the day and it was quite nasty um, like outside the ground before the game and after, but it was just funny how that was like. Hammed up, and then like every other, because if you th- thought it was like a running thing in English football, it would be in every episode. But it was just like that one yeah. thing, and it was like, but maybe they're trying to reflect like the ten, the tension around the club at the time, and and all that for for purposes and narrative. Speaking of tension, one of the best bits, whilst also simultaneously being one of the worst bits, is James Bond's slow motion penalty. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just how much like drama they put into this like penalty in essentially a meaningless game, but which ultimately just like defined his Sunderland career in in the space of one kick of the ball. Yeah, didn't didn't bode well, did it? No. When not at when, all. Uh, when the when the game's finished, you see Darren Gibson walking off the pitch, just striding past the camera, yeah. and you think <laughs> yeah. there's a little glint in his eyes, and he's he's off out, isn't he? <laughs> again, again, again yeah. drink on the people that they've chosen to pick. Again, he. What I did notice some things as well, which is relevant, like now, I guess, is like Paddy McNair comes out of the dressing room and then he like spits on the floor. Oh yeah. So, why why are you doing that? Carpet. Carpet why are you doing that? Like why do you need this? <laughs> like what what has what has made what has made you need to spit on the floor at that yeah. stage? But it just con- it just confused me. I, 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 and all, and also, you know, like in the in the um, during the game, you know, like all the slow motion stuff. Like it, there was one where Jason Steele makes a save, and it looked the save was so like bad. Yes, it looked yeah, it like looked it looks minute. like you know you know when there's like an American um, soccer film, like a kid's soccer like, film. And they'd recreate and escape to victory. Uh, yeah, and it, it would look like that. And I was like thinking, you're a professional goalkeeper. I'm sure they scored from the rebound as well from that save he made. I think it looks. Um, the, yeah. I'm not defending Steele, but the ball moves in the air, and he looks like he's going. He's made a step, and then he yeah. kind of. Oh, it looks terrible, but like, yeah, it does look the, terrible. When the goals are going in, Steele seems to have developed his art, and he continued to the season of diving, but not actually moving anywhere. So he just yeah. like kind of hover it like a bit like Mario. In a marathon, you like kind of jump up and then hang in the air for a bit and then land again, and the ball's already gone in. I'm, I'm pretty, but, yeah. I think the last, the last goal's like particularly kind of. He just kind of doesn't even bother. Flimsily falls yeah. to the floor, doesn't he? Yeah, he just kind of but, follows follows it in the general direction. But he was so angry with defeat. Um, and oh, Chris, he did Chris did the school no, run on Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm furious, me. And he's dropping his kids off. Like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop them off 24 Sunday. hours early in July. There is an absolutely caught in com- grace as well after the game where he says something like he thought maybe that the players um, knew what they were doing better than they did or something like that. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> right. Like that's great. Like this is what we've got to go into in the first week of the season. And I do remember after that Celtic game, everyone was like, so like negative, and then and then we went and like we actually played all right against Derby. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, it was funny after the game, like you say, when he's in the car and he's saying like, oh, um, 
lose a game and he doesn't talk, I was thinking he must be like an elective mute for like <laughs> 10 months because like he mustn't have spoken at all forever. So then we're introduced to uh, to Martin Bain. <laughs> Sunderland. Sunderland fans, not for the first time, but for the for the wider public. It's the first yeah, glimpse of, of our, yeah. our dearly departed chief executive. Yeah. Um, Glistening. And it, and it just, it does appear like a Star is Burns episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> it, it's like kind of this really romantic shot of him jumping into a dark and swimming pool at the Academy of Light. Um, yeah. Going for his little swim. And just go, starts like trailing off with his, so just sounding like a guy who works at, uh, wakes up at four o'clock in the morning on LinkedIn, that kind of fella. And it's just like, the worst kind of person. Um, uh, listening to Sky Sports News on his car stereo, amazingly. Like, his car is so good, he can yeah. just Sky Sports News on that. <laughs> so I don't know how he's managed to wire that particular... Maybe he was illegally watching television in the car while he was driving. Could have been. He's the law, isn't he? There's a little moment where he closes the boot and it closes electronically and he just kind of a little sideways at the camera and I'm sure he would have said something like, do you like the boot? Like yeah, the boot? yeah, but he's just... He's your proper, like, kind of, like, just smarmy. Or, like, it's like the bit where when he walks in and he sees the women in reception oh, at no, the academy yeah. and he's like, he's like, oh, I'm on camera, so I'm going to have to see you look nice. And then it's, he does does a little chuckle to himself. It's pure Brent, that, isn't it? That is yeah. it's absolute Brent. So then, Classic Brent. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can't give you all a hug. Or every, I can't give one of you a hug or you all want one. It's like that sort of, like, weird... Sort of rubbish office manager thing. Can you Jimmy remember Montgomery's Chris? I was wondering by. Yeah, can you remember Chris when we went to the premiere of the Empire uh, and I was yes. sitting next to you? Can you remember what I said when um, the Martin Martin Bain first appeared? Um, the, uh, the, the yeah, we can't repeat it, what it was on here. I was about to say nice. I don't think it's yeah, repeatable, yeah. is it? <laughs> no, no, it isn't repeatable. But the thing is, that with, is, wonder if you remembered it. Yes, I, I have now, and I'm going to laugh a lot now. Um, but no, but I mean, it's very accurate. Like, why Why is the camera angle of, like, a kind of, like, the the camera's, like, looking up at him on the desk, and he's got his, he's got his like, extraordinarily expensive watch in the foreground? <laughs> like Two, two for, watches in the episode he has. He has two different for, ones. For, for a man who then spends a significant chunk of this in the next episode... Talking about the limited resources on shore, for him to be doing that, you're a bit like, well, come on, let's let's have a little bit of self aware. It's the same when he when he's like, oh, I, I don't want a nice glossy office. I want to get stuck in while sitting in a very nice glossy office. <laughs> yeah, with this thank, beautifully positioned thank you card, which appears at a variety of times during <laughs> the uh, the one thank you card. Another another. Martin Bain gripe that I have. I actually, didn't, I actually came out of this with less sympathy for Martin Bain than I did prior to the, to the series. But primarily because he keeps calling us Sunderland Football Club, and that does my head in. Like when people miss the association out of the middle, it just I did really. That at the top of the episode. Did you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, I let oh, it you know. You know, in the Mar- you know, in the Martin Bain level of oh, me dear. liking you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the story takes us back to the Ramside Hall, um, this time for all the wrong reasons, when you get the uh, the little clip of Darren Gibson. That was at the Ramside Hall, wasn't it? It was, yeah. 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 yeah very crashed the wedding, Ramside heavy, the, um, the, this show. There's a lot of Ramside in it. So he, he could probably legitimately argue that he had a dirty <clears throat> dirty glass this time. For his, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might have explained his... Uh, yeah. His, his demeanour as yeah, he I mean, continued uh, to slag off the yeah. whole team on a, on a much uh, much maligned uh, Twitter video. I mean, it's not even the worst thing he did that year, is it? So, no. you know, I mean, he really does double down later in the season. Um, yeah, and he, has, he, has his, yeah. he gets his telling off and, and uh, Bain says he seems to have learned his lesson and he was, he was very, he was, you know, he was, he was very apologetic, which he's going to give him credit for. Um, That's the best thing. He's like, Bain comes in and he's like, yeah, I could sit him down and tell him, tell him he's done here, but he's come in and he's apologised. I was like, well, yeah, he's just like embarrassed the entire club a week before the season kicks off. What did you expect him to do? Walk in with a can of Magnus or something? Like, he's <laughs> just double literally, down on it. <laughs> he literally like just embarrassed you and the entire club, and you praising him for apologising. Like, we really should have seen the levels of professionalism that would follow, kind of blaring at us. 
uh, from that moment on, I think. Speaking of uh, embarrassing the club, the next scene is an iconic, an iconic sight, which is uh, Simon Grayson and his flipboard. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the Academy of Light Media Room, where he outlines his uh, vision for Sunderland. I think that that must have been that mustn't have been pre-game. That must have been ahead of um, the press conference he did on his first day. Um, cause yeah, because he's, he's got his suit on. Suit on. on he? So that's very kind of uh, talks about how he uh, how he envisions his players subscribing to his uh, way of thinking it, by the by the medium of a hastily scribbled upon flipboard. Um, but the annoying the thing, there's lots, me- message yeah. across. there's lots of annoying elements to it in in that the flip chart is positioned in front of an interactive whiteboard. That's the first thing you like. <laughs> It is the it's like the shittest um, like school assembly like special assembly like ever and it really it's like you know when you get caught there's a man coming this morning and like he's gonna like talk about how to get like good like GCSE results or something and you all get funneled <laughs> into this like hall and this man just is really boring and says all this obvious stuff like what you need to do is do extra revision it's like it's that level of thing it's like the fans are. Um, you know, if you play well, then the fans will like like it. That was like the level of some of the stuff he was saying. It's like what, yeah. like what is this? Like, see, I've I've got like a fair bit of sympathy for Grayson, but at the same time, I and I know obviously as we go through this, we'll we'll mention the kind of difference in approach that kind of Coleman had when he came in. But there's a lot more access under Grayson, which is obviously kind of him saying, "Yeah, it's fine for you to be." in on this meeting and in the dressing room and that and I'm kind of a bit like you kind of did set yourself up for a fall here like you've really you've really backed yourself to come across as this inspiring manager and it, it's just an absolute disaster really isn't it yeah. so on to the first game and I started to go through the preamble to the, to the, the, the Derby County opening fixture of the, the championship well, can, I, can I just dial back slightly sorry on um, when uh, it gets to um, like the talking to Kevin Ball, and he's like talking about oh, yeah. you know, and you know the Vaseline up the nose, great. He's just like sticking his finger up his nose. To, oh, yeah, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> I mean, and that, like a lot of a lot of nasal activity going on. He had one of those like textbook like mid nineties stripes, like you know the strips that all the football. The strips. The, yeah, 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 Robbie Fowler. Yeah, the Robbie Fowler, and then he was like. Do you need the Vaseline on the strip? I mean, what, like, if your nose is that wrong, you need to go and see somebody about it. What, because, what like, if, it, if there's a, a strict, restriction of air to that extent, you need to do <laughs> something about it. What's great is, um, Bowley on the pitch is, like, doing his classic, asking himself a question before he answers it. He's like, I can't remember exactly, but it's like, are we a big club? Yes, we are. Like, is there a lot of expectation? Yes, there is. But if you do well for us, will they love you? You're damn right they will. And it's just like, it's so Kevin Ball, like he's nailed himself in five seconds of commentary on the pitch. Hope he doesn't listen to this, Chris. He, he lives in Chesterley Street as well, doesn't he? He'll come and find you. No, that, that's why I've moved up into the highlands. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's not because of, of coronavirus, it's because I'm scared of Ballie. So Martin Bain jumps into his car and he says he likes to go to the first game with clarity and focus. He's, he's, <laughs> and also, what really annoys is that he's got a single-use cup and I don't know how many of them he's going to have to go through in the space of a, of a two-hour game of football, but that's a lot of single-use cups. You know, Attenborough's <laughs> going to be having a field day with that when he, when he hears about it. <laughs> See, all I've got written here for that bit is I'm just waiting for him to say blue sky thinking... Because that's like that's the trajectory that that kind of that he's just like he is ex, like Gareth you nailed it before it is like David Brent in football like it's so kind of I'm on TV and I'm just gonna see every corporate cliche and whatever else and all this and it's just I tell you what we haven't mentioned actually Jim White randomly just shows up yeah in his in his yellow tie yeah no less. And it's like, well, what's he got to do with anything? Like, why why is he an authority on Sunderland the FC? And then we get a little bit of insight into the coaching side of things. Robbie Stockdale, I think at the time, was a first-team coach underneath Simon Grayson. And he's uh, 
giving an inspirational team talk on the pitch, which a few of the players aren't really that bothered about. Um, where he's saying he has to, where the players have to match out our quality. I think. Uh, where, I think that's actually that from a different game. I think. Just before we move on to episode two, because um, you know, we're probably labouring episode one. To be fair, this episode two is a bit of a slow starter anyway. Um, but uh, the lad who's like taking half day to go to the match on the Friday, I thought like, yeah, fair play. Quite yeah, for like a home game. Yeah, yeah, for like a home game. He's like, that's why we take the half day. I was like, I love that. It's like the first game of the season. Everyone's excited. The thing, and let's just bang a, bang a half day and like get on it. <laughs> and also the fella in the pub who's like on about the tattoo, and he's like, oh, my son wants one. He's not getting one. Me able to get one on the sly, and he's like, he's eleven. <laughs> yeah, he's eleven. Like eleven-year-old. Which, 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 which tattooist in? In the SR postcode is giving tattoos to eleven-year-olds. Like, <laughs> the, I just thought it was great. Like, as he goes in with like a hat and coat, or he has his like he's giving his best mate a piggyback. Or something. Yeah. So it looks, it looks like yeah. two yeah. two people in a big trench yeah. coat. Yeah. My, so my final enjoyed, thought. I enjoyed from, that. My final thought from that episode is is it's in the credits and it, it appears all the way through the series, and I didn't notice until until I watched them back recently. The junior production manager is called Richard Hill. Yes! Yes, I just spotted this as well. And I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah. Save the what? documentary. <laughs> he really did. Save the documentary. So that is episode one. Um, taking us right up to pretty much kick-off in the Derby game. Um, join us after the little break. We're going to have a look at episode two. <laughs> Welcome back to the Wise Men's Day podcast and our deep dive into the Sunderland Till I Die Netflix series. As always, we are brought to you in association with the, the good guys at From the Terraces, a fantastic clothes brand. We all wear and proudly associate ourselves with From the Terraces because they are... Yeah, we don't just let any. We don't just let anybody like get involved. We've got lots of offers exactly. on the table. We don't take any. We don't take anyone. But the you know the gear at From the Terraces is great. And if you go on it from the terraces.co.uk and make a purchase, um, you can get 10% off your basket using the code WS10. Um, so you should go over there now and treat yourself. Um, so, like, when when the lockdown ends, um, you can, like, chuck it on and get yourself out. Or, you know, if games go behind closed doors, you could always, you know, put it on in the house and, like, pretend like you're on the terraces. I wore mine in uh, in Cornwall, even though I wasn't watching the game. I was listening to it on the radio. I just sat there in my from the terrace. <laughs> just put it on, showing my colours. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it's commitment. It's it's a commitment. But yeah, you should definitely head over to from the terraces. uk. Follow them on Twitter um, at terraces from, and check them out on Facebook as well, because um, they've always got offers on those on the pages as well and stuff like that. So, I believe they also do like a um, payment plan option now for the purchases so you know you yeah. can get yourself a load of stuff in and then just pay it off gradually as well which is absolutely delightful so get yourself over there and fill your boots episode two richard yes so episode two starts as it finished with uh, the beginning of the derby county match which is the first game of the 2017-18 season and it starts with us conceding a goal the booze so, as well again yeah yeah i don't, I don't remember, remember that many booze, booze. We'd actually played quite well, and then like it was their first attack, and they scored from it. Well, that's where there's a bit of a disconnect, isn't it? Because it, like they actually have the commentary saying that's the way things tend to go here on Rear side, and they say like we played well for ten minutes and then conceded with their first attack, and then it's like you have to turn your TV down a bit because of the booze that are ringing out the speakers, and it's I, I get that it's obviously it's kind of building the narrative, and it's like as we've said. The, the audience isn't isn't us, but it does it does feel a little bit excessive. Well, it, I remember so little from this season. I think that's what that's what kind of highlighted it for me is I I don't remember us going down one nil early. <laughs> so I think I've just I've PTSD'd it all out. I was about to say yeah, uh, it's probably it's probably your brain like saying no, that's that's a bad memory. Let's let's repress that one as much as we can. It's just disbelief, I think, like the. Like you're watching it going like you know, how did 
how did this happen? It's, it's it's hard to believe that it did happen considering the start of the season that we had. Obviously going away to Norwich after that and yeah, absolutely pummeling them, coming away with a three-one win. Um, in fair, in fairness, like it was, it must have been difficult for Grayson to get through to the players when Graben scored at Norwich and he's celebrating in the stadium a light dugout. That was that was probably yes. made it a lot more difficult to get his message across. Yeah, he must he must have been at like a beanbag or something. <laughs> yeah. Simon, you've gone to the wrong game. Oh no! <laughs> the the thing about that is, like, like what you just said there is right because, like, that Norwich game, you kind of forget that, like, that that was like a really, really good result. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they they were good at home <clears throat> the previous season, and we went down there and beat them three one. And it's like, all right, okay, this like, like I think if you're a neutral observer, you're probably still at that point. You're probably still in the kind of oh, this is going to be like a redemption story, like they're going to get promoted. And um, I suppose it, it it doesn't take too long for it all to... No, it's, it's, it's a Leeds game, isn't it? That, where really, yeah. that like we got beaten quite comfortably. Even though, like, well, we hit the, back, we hit the post and then and then um, they went up the other end and scored, didn't they? In, as I remember it. But... Um, I don't think they showed that in the in the dock, even though they showed the goal the wrong way around, like in the wrong order. Um, so but, as Martin Bain says, it's an unbelievably positive start of the season. Before that Leeds game, unbelievably positive, just because we yeah. managed to win in August for the first time in the league since uh, yes. 2010. Yeah, which ignores the fact that we like were in a lower division than any of the other Augusts we've played in in the last 10 years. What was the other game up with that fifth game? I'm trying to think because we played Leeds in the fifth game. And we, Chef- played, we played Sheffield. Uh, Le- Derby, I think Leeds was a f- Norwich. Le- Leeds was the fourth game. Was it? Because we had a Barnsley oh. was after. We had oh, a cup yeah, game. We got battered, didn't we? Yeah, we got absolutely roasted at Barnsley, which was like an embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to double back here because we have missed after the Norwich game. We managed. We missed out on Martin Bla- Martin Bain's black book. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, written, I've written exactly the same thing. I've just written Martin Bain's black book. Okay, yeah, what, exactly. But, but you don't you don't need any more than that, do you? But especially the bit when he's like, oh, "I'd love to say it's more." Because it, oh, sorry. Yeah, I should explain that this is his his book of transfer targets that we're we're interested in, yeah. and he basically says, "I'd love to say it, it's more scientific than that, but it's not." And you're like, "All right, yeah, that, that's that's hilarious, Martin." Like you run and. You're running like a club, one of the biggest clubs in England, and you've reduced the the recruitment team to a few lines of A4. Fantastic. I mean, maybe maybe it was just a list. Yeah. Maybe it was a list of the things that he wants to spend his 1.2 million pound wage on. Oh. Or maybe yeah, a list of, well. of fun things about his car: electronic boots, yeah. listen to Sky Sports <laughs> news. Yeah. Actually, what? Yeah, like a watch? Like I was. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just loads of watch. Like list yeah. of all the watches, list of watches he owns. Like Tiger, watch. Yeah, yeah. Boss. Other ones. Casio. Rolex. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. Peter, Peter, the taxi driver, is listening to Sky Sports News in his car. So obviously, he's he's been the same uh, audio places as uh, Martin Bain. He looks very happy with himself as a result. Um, then, then we see our first signing. And uh, Robin Root, right there. Was he the first right signing? Um, no, he wasn't. But yeah. I don't think he was. Sure, we had he? someone else. No, Gra- Galloway was the first signing. Right. So they, they don't get focused. It's just Robin Wright there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, it, it seems to... It, they build it up as if he was like the number one target and that Grayson's really happy that he've got just a man from Holland through the door. Well, we didn't sign him till after the Celtic game, did we? Because I think... There was like a lot of panic after the Celtic game, going, "We need to sign this guy because he'd been on, he'd been like he'd played in pre-season on trial and played quite well, and then um, Steele started the way he did, and I think we brought Reuter in that week, and then uh, yeah, it, yeah. They, they just chopped and changed, but he seems like a nice That's... man, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he comes across really well. I mean, you'll see later on in the series after he's had his finger injury, he comes across, you know, quite quite well. It's a bit of a shame that that it didn't work out as yeah. well as it could have done for him. He was the best um, of the. But th- we'll, we'll always have the we'll always have the Millwall game. He was the best. Of, yeah, he was. He was the best of the the goalkeepers. But it's really there is a really funny line in it where um, 
camps talking about like the challenges of being a goalkeeper and like how like if you're a forward you can play like wide or whatever. And like it's always like last man standing wins. And I thought like I bet at that point he didn't think that Lee Camp was gonna be the winner. Uh, between him and Reuter. <laughs> just thinking like that 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 is like a, a complete curveball into the mix. He was probably thinking, How did this happen? He got back in at the end of the season, didn't he? But yeah. <laughs> it says a lot about Lee Camp. Um but yeah. I mean the first it's half little... the, the first half of the episode's basically just a lot of um that and then like almost like a little George Honeyman um sort of retrospective sort of for yeah. a bit. He does come across like a nice lad, doesn't he, George? Yeah, he does. He always sounds like a, like a nice bloke. And you think it's a shame it never it never really we could never really find a, a proper home from you know under under Jack Ross and uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. But he he, he's, he interviews well. Well, I guess the the main theme of the episode really, like from that point on, it. It's all and it, there's bits dotted around before it like culminates with the tran like the transfer window and all that, but like the approach to transfers and it's just absolutely amazing. It's like so I think the first glimpse we get, isn't it, when he starts talking about like um the the kind of sitting down going, Oh, we're gonna have to um sort of speak to Simon about the approach we've decided to take. Because we're gonna, yeah. um, we're gonna like we're deciding we're gonna sign like younger players, um, and then like hopefully we'll get resale value on them. That's basically the yeah. the approach. But then like Bin, got... Bin wasn't really sold on it, was he? He looked a no. little bit kind of reticent. But, and... but then when they asked for the scout, and he was like, "We've got eight scouts." He says, "There's one watching games in Scotland, and the other seven are watching games in League One and League Two. You're like, right? Well, why? Why? Like, why are we watching League One and League Two players when we're in the Championship and we've just come down from the Premier League? Why have we decided to do this? What is this approach? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, as as we learn in this episode, that the uh, the approach isn't that um, isn't that joined up. No, it it does fritter um, across the board, um, and it's you know obviously the famous Ibrahimovic moment. But it's like a weird, awkward, yeah. like, um, like the scout kind of laughs, and then there's like a bit of an awkward silence. Like, Bane actually isn't joking. It's like, yeah, why is he on there, sort of thing. It's a very good question. But the, that is they've obviously just printed out a list of free agents from the internet and like brought it into a meeting, and gone. The we're gonna like. These are the players we could potentially get in, um, and he was still on there. It's, it's like, like what you do the... Championship Manager, isn't it? When when you like have your short list of players, and you, then you filter by who's interested. Obviously, Ibrahimovic would uh, drop off that list. <laughs> yeah, they've kept it on and printed out. Oh, damn it, being seen that now, he's going to think we're going to sign him. But also, we get um, the next next thing we get is the um, Glenn Snowden and the Chief Scout scouting oh. trip to Scunthorpe. Lovely little night out for those two. That that whole thing is just infuriating. Yeah, it's yeah. like gloves. That that whole incident, like the way the the way the act when he like arrives, like he's like, oh, like it's better than like a night in watching the telly with the wife, sort of thing. And then they go and watch him, and it's like, oh, there's better than there's better out there. There's better out there. And it was like, right? Well, you've dismissed him on the fact that he's wearing gloves. The other left back we've got, I think they're watching the left back, the number three. The other left back is Brendan Galloway that we have, who's played like three games and is dreadful. So it's like, well, what what is going on here? It just did it, it does does reek of like a like an old school football approach. You know, where you're like you know, it's like blokes, like sort of almost like flexing over. Like I've seen this player, I know this player. This player's crap. Or oh, I've seen him a few times. He's rubbish. It just had that vibe about it, and just the whole thing. It just it's it stinks really. Like the the approach to the whole thing is just so. 
at each at each in, at each incremental stage where different people are involved in the process of bringing players to the club, it is completely fragmented, and that obviously culminates in in deadline day. This fellow Mendes from Reading never heard of him in my life. No, I had no idea. I thought it was Sam Mendes, the the film director. What I want to know is who who on earth were they actually going to see, and um, I I think the the kind of rudimentary nature of it is like clear in how they're talking about the, the, the immediate complaint is that he's wearing the player they're looking at is wearing gloves but it's not even cold and you're like well okay I, I understand but because what does he say he says something like oh if he's up on someone two, two pairs yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like well I mean yeah but if he's a good footballer I don't really care about that so is, is that all we're basing it on and then I think they leave it don't they on we can get better elsewhere yeah. I mean how bad how bad must this particular player have had to have been if yeah. we got better elsewhere? That's what I was saying before. It's like that. It's got better elsewhere. Line is like we could get better elsewhere. It's like I don't know when they were scouting him. I mean, it must have been into August. Um, yeah, because the season started. Yeah, but yeah, at this point, supposedly like three days until the window closes. Well, this is it, isn't it? Like the whole thing is like. I mean, we know it's not like linear. Like the stuff they use is not linear. Um, but it must have been within within August when the season started before the window. Yeah, and it is all building towards it's like this transfer window where the stra- the strategy is just all over the place, and everything they do on the deadline day contradicts. Everything that the sort is talking about, like it, it's unbelievable. They're talking about that Mendes injuries. Oh, he's got injuries, and then they sign Johnny Williams, who's like barely functioning, like walking <laughs> and like sign it's, him. Yeah. It's great after they sign Johnny Williams. That's when they decide to tell Martin Bean about his list of injuries. And yeah. it's literally like it's literally like a genuine list, and you can kind of yeah. see the the blood draining from Martin Bain's yeah. face, as if to say, "What have we signed?" Yeah. Also, I j- I just then, looked it up. Oh, sorry, go on. It's just that that they go to the the, uh, the physio brand uh, Peter Brand, isn't it? And he goes and he goes, oh, "I've got no com- got no complaints. I'm happy." And he's got just gone through this huge list of of, of things <laughs> that would you'd get your dog put down for, essentially, and. They're all they're delighted, happy. He's he's almost match fit. Like, oh yeah, it better be. But like, what must what must have been wrong with this Mendes fella from Reading? I mean, was yeah, he I mean, was he dead? Like that. He, like, that's the only. That's only re, like worse. That's only reason. Like he must have been the new Ronan Harati. Like yeah, he's got yeah. like two broken legs that yeah. we've somehow only just managed to diagnose. Also, I've just had a look, and Scunthorpe played Fleetwood in October of that season. So it's not even like we were looking at this lad like in the in the, oh, right, okay. in the August window. This is yeah. like this is like when we're like careering yeah. towards the bottom of the league and we're so, still popping down to Scunthorpe looking at players. Do you know what I thought that? Um, because when he picks him up before the game, it's dark and I'm like, yeah, it's pitch black in it. I'm like, yeah. it's it must be a late kick off in like in August, like kicks off at ten o'clock at night. Like, yeah, but, they're leaving really, they're leaving like ten minutes for kickoff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, that doesn't work. But yeah, so there. But then that was obviously our January strategy. So to be fair, at least it's not three days before the window. But still, um, you know, it doesn't say much that they're looking for another. I think it was the left back looking for another left back in October after they've signed Galloway in August. Um, yeah. I think the line of the episode, in my opinion, goes to Mark Wilson um, when he's having his medical and. That's like the the physio's asking about his knee, and he's like, "Oh, do you still get any pain in your knee?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, only when I'm striking the ball." <laughs> it's like <laughs> that is like the fundamental element of the game, that kicking the ball. Like that is that is what it's about. And I was like, "This is amazing!" Like it it was incredible. Like the, the theme, the theme of the, the deadline day <laughs> is very much about Martin being peacocking around the Academy of Light, isn't it? Yeah, he's very much kind of striding in in his home in his, on his home turf, striding around. It's busy just him north. telling his staff what to do, but yeah. like in a really kind of like commanding sort of, and like it's like 
he's he's the only one who's like abreast of the kind of um what what's going on sort of thing like like uh, one of the one of the women in the office is all ready to book a flight and he's like no can't can't have that flight yeah, booked. Yeah. Like get someone to come and see me now. And it's like it's like it's like a terrible episode of CSI or something. It's like CSI get right here. Yeah. yeah. Airport. Never heard of the bloody place in my life. <laughs> Wait, definitely can't fly there now. Yeah, it's yeah. Lockdown. Yeah. CSI Mark Wilson. Um. <laughs> so the point about about the um the staff, um Martin Bain says tell Brandy to come and see me. So it's yeah. Brand the uh, not Brandy and Monica, disappointingly. So it wasn't going to go into a, a rendition of uh, The Boy Is Mine, disappointingly. Yeah. I think that's what we all wanted to see, really, wasn't it? Yeah. But it must it must have got to the stage where they're like, we can't let, we can't say no to somebody else on the fact their medical record because otherwise we'll have, we'll have signed nobody. So it's almost like they let that Mendes one die because it was like well he's knackered and then we just signed Johnny Williams who is who was knackered who for the rest of the season basically um, I think what strikes me is the, the insincerity of uh, of Martin Bain um, when he's chatting away to the players and he's, he's barely looking at them he's kind of like half arsed and he's like oh hope you do well here but he, he doesn't really care does he it's, it's very much going through the motions do you not find when Grayson meets McManaman it's like incredibly awkward like it's kind of it's as if like these aren't going to be two blokes who like have mutual goals going forward it's just like oh like he he works on the other side of the office i'll just say hello to him that is brent it is brent he's like comes in he's like "Mm, another good uh signing for us, <laughs> he says. It's like, it's a, it, he says another good do, another good, another good deal. I think yeah. another good do. <laughs> Be- before we move on to the 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 end of deadline day, did I've noticed that we've actually missed out Wise Men Sears first? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, first actual appearance in the series. We we get the dulcet tones of Stephen. Yeah, that's why we've not Thank- mentioned it. Thankfully, not mispronouncing someone. And who who's on? Is it Colgan? Colgan, I it's Colgan. I, I thought it was George Colgan because is that that's before the the Barnsley game, I think. That's it. And the, I can't I can't remember what he says. It, it, it's Stephen. So Fo- f- football so podcast. Apparently, that's what we are. A football podcast. Is, is that is that what the little banner so on the wise men say? Is. Football podcast. It should say Sunderland yeah. podcast. Yeah. Well, take. Technically, is a football podcast. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I mean, most of the time it is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that struck me at that point, it's uh, Jim White pops up again, our old yeah. friend, and he goes, there he is, Big Ben, the old pal. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone, you know, that when we were talking about the scouting earlier, they showed, they, they actually showed a, a shot of, like, the loans that I identified? Did anyone, yeah. did anyone twig how many of them we actually ended up getting in? No. We just ended up with a Jaria, didn't we? Yeah, we got one. We got a Jaria, and then like I, I made a note of like the list, and it's like some of them like they they had that Maitland Niles from Arsenal. He he was on there. They had Dan Gosling, Ashley Westwood, Dean Marnie, Scott McTominay, Will Hughes. Like so, to be fair, there there were some quite good footballers on there. I mean, it's pretty, yeah, well, pretty, yeah. Pretty telling that we didn't get any of them. But um, again, the strategy of um, buy them young, sell them on for a price, um, <laughs> clearly illustrated by trying to loan young, untested players and then buying people who admit they only have pain in their knee when they strike the ball. And that, that, but then obviously it culminates with the McCor- the McCormack incident, which is a first sign of Grayson kind of sort of biting back a little bit about the approach. Which kind of, yeah. to be fair, if you, narrative-wise in, this, in the show, it's pretty good the way they've done it because it just culminates like that whole disjointed process from start to finish where he's just like, well, I wanted that player, we needed a striker and we weren't willing to spend the money. Um, but it was like, well, what were we willing to spend the money on? And that window, I think we spent um, about £1.2 million. Um, yeah. And the three players, I think we... Spent money on for fees were Steele, Vaughan, and McGeady. Um, and Martin Bain's salary for the year was £1.2 million. And then he's the one saying, 
oh, you know, the, the purse strings are tight, we can't afford to splash out on this. And it is laughable. Like, but the, the best bit of that whole little charade is like when they like they're really confident oh, that they're gonna I get know. Ross Rico back in. And he's, he's like, just you're, like about, you're about to see like some magic the, or something like that. The yeah, exact, yeah, the yeah, exact yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, Do you know what you're seeing here? And you can tell like the cameraman's just like shrugged his shoulders and he's like, You're witnessing another sign and taking yeah. place. And then it's again it's another like always sunny moment where they might as well just end the show there kind of thing. He's like, and well, then can you cut the cameras please? Well yeah, I was gonna say that that is what happens, doesn't it? He ends up turning the camera off. And you just the thing about that is, like, they literally the reason it falls through is because they're miles apart on the money. And it's like, surely before you start getting ahead of yourself and telling a literal film crew that we're signing someone, surely you've had a conversation about how much it's actually well, going to cost. We tried we try to get them for ages, and it's like McCormack it was on the radar for about two months, but it's obviously a case on that one where Villa thought, like, we'll just ring them up at, like, quarter to 12 or whatever, quarter to 11, whatever it was, and go, and go, like, do you want them? You can have him, and then gone. Well, we weren't going to get rid of him anyway, so we'll just try and get the best deal we possibly can for us. And if we're stuck with him, we're stuck with him. And it did feel, and we, we they probably thought like they'll just take him, like panic and take him. I don't think it would have done anything if we'd brought him in, like because I think he went to Australia, didn't he? After he, after that, and like I don't think he's ever been seen again. So it, it has made me very excited for season two and a certain deadline day signing. Oh, yes. Because cause it feels, without having seen it, it feels very much like a similar phone call happened and we opted for the other option, which uh, which clearly turned out so much better. The thing is, the difference is that Martin Bain is a very, very kind of slimy, kind of cool customer. He's very kind of LinkedIn friendly. He's... He's a, he's a walking TED talk in the, in the same vein as, as Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. He's very kind of corporate speak. Um, Stuart Donald is not. He's very much not. So it'll be very much interesting to see the, the differences between that when the, when the series airs on April yeah. 1st. But I get it, it's funny, isn't it? Because you. I don't know, it's like. It's a good metaphor for like. I don't know, like the transfer window is a good like metaphor for like adulthood. So, you know, like, you think every, like, when you're, like, watching other people, like, crack on with their lives, you always think, like, they've got it sorted, and, like, you're the one struggling, and then, like, really, they're in the house going, shit, 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 <laughs> like, about everything, and that is what it's like, you're, like, as a fan, you're, like, oh, you know, fans can have opinions on transfers and transfer windows, but what do we know? Like, we don't know the inner workings of, like, how football clubs work and how transfers work, and then yeah. you watch elements of how it unfolds and they are just as clueless as anybody else but yeah. they've got the money to spend and that's why that's why money ends up getting wasted doesn't it because you know people make bad decisions yeah it's just it's like it is it is quite it really is an interesting thing to see kind of and to be fair to be fair to him in the end he does actually make the right decision in my opinion and i Based on what you were saying there, Gareth, it sounds like you agree that like kind of chucking loads of money at Ross McCormack wasn't going to be the right mm. idea. But to be fair, he didn't didn't have any choice. But I think what like kind of like stands out to me massively, and we've kind of touched on it, is like Grayson was either really naive or he really didn't have a clue what he was walking into. Because at the end of the episode, he's like, he is like he's obviously not going to erupt, but I think you can tell like he's like proper yeah, simmering man. underneath, and it's kind of like. Um, I mean, it it must be interesting, like when they were filming it, whether whether they saw what ended up happening coming even that early on, because you can tell all's not right even at the end of just like the second episode. Yeah, and the thing was, we didn't in that league. We we were only a couple of players away. It was you know the way the way things turned out. We weren't. We didn't sink like a stone. We didn't. I mean, I'm not gonna spoil it for anyone who doesn't know how the season ended. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we didn't. We went rock bottom from from December onwards. You know, up until the last month, we were still in with a fighting chance. Um, maybe a striker that could have done the business for us um, in a different way to to, to grab him. Um, and Vaughan, you never know. Yeah, I think we've kind of not drawn the short straw because that's not fair. 
but like you know I think the other episodes have got more banter in them haven't it really like once it like yeah. really gets into the into the meat of the season that's where um, and when it starts to go wrong yeah we're, we're very much like the scene setters <clears throat> for the idiocy to come in both the show and in reviewing yeah. it absolutely so Rory and Matt will be taking us through um, episodes three and four in the next episode of this deep dive into the the the, um, the Sunderland till I die. <laughs> the Wise Men Say podcast. The, say say the, <laughs> deep, the deep dive into the Wise Men Say podcast. Maybe we might have to start doing those. Yeah, that's that's the next bit. Mm. We we'll start eating ourselves. And yeah. it, it becomes like when you when you drink your own piss and it suddenly turns. <laughs> like, if you keep on doing it, it's like brown sludge. Well, that's basically you know. how we're going to be through the looking glass in about two months' time. Yeah, if we're still alive. We'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So the synopsis for episode three is: frustration mounts amongst the players and fans as the team falls into the relegation zone, leaving manager Simon Grayson in a precarious position. So join Rory and Matt for that. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>